Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. The team, thanks worship and creative. I thought I'd bring my own cushion up here because you guys get to sit all nice and comfy, so I should have uh, organised it a bit better. How are we? Church, can you say the joy? Of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. That has nothing to do with my message. I just feel like we needed to declare that today. Amen. Amen. Come on. That's good. That's my message done. Let's go home, right? Let's go mop up the all that rain last night. We woke up. <laughs> we woke up this morning and. We live in uh, Riverston, and our house is split level, and we had some rain come through. Nothing major at all. Nothing. All right. So don't you don't need to come to my house and help us. Okay. We're actually so fine because you know why? Because I woke up to Ben mopping the floor, and I was like, "About time." <laughs> but how about that rain? It's mobilizing our people. It's mobilizing my husband to clean the house. So you know what? It's all about perspective. <laughs> No, but I I, am so appreciative of, you know, Sanjeev and the work he's doing and global care. Like, it's amazing just to see on social media the way that our our locations, if you're not sure, if you didn't know, you know, we're one in 10 locations and just seeing how, like, Elevation Tweed and Gold Coast and Redlands and Yamba, how they've just mobilized during this time to really help people, find helping families find shelter, helping families get food. It's actually, it's it's wild what's happening right now. So, um, you know, it's it's great that just right off the back we're just, operating we're just being the hands of feet in Jesus in our community and I have the privilege of bringing the third installment of our series Paradox which is a series all about um, you know exploring the character of Jesus Christ through the book of Mark if you got your paper Bibles why don't you wave them in the air like you just don't care if you got your Mark journals love it love it love it if you've gone digital we don't judge you for being you know living in the year 3000 but we're going paper today um, so, you know, in week one, Pastor Miles brought the message called, um, anyone remember? Because the dance, correct. The dance, all about the Trinity, the triune God. And last week, uh, Prash brought a message called The Call, which is all about RSVPing to the call of God on your life. And let me tell you, I was only last week, years old, when I realized that RSVP means Return, s'il vous plaît. I had no idea that that's what RSV. Anybody else not know that? that am I? Uh, only a few of us. Only a few of us. Like it's like one of those things that you just don't think about. Like I didn't realize that Mash. You know the TV show Mash. That's an acronym for something. I don't know what it's an acronym for, but if you do, why don't you send me a message and be like, "It's this, you silly Billy." But yes, so great, great messages. You can, if you didn't uh, catch them, you can catch them on our YouTube channel. It's all there. Um, But you know, our goal with having these Bibles, these Mark journals is is that we highlight, we write notes, we write down our thoughts and prayers as we dive through the scriptures, the questions that you come across as we read these scriptures. What are you wrestling with as you read the scriptures? You know, we're imperfect people. so, So there's gonna be things in the Bible that we read and we go, huh? I don't like that. 
uh, help me understand. And so this is such a great opportunity for us, you know, as a church, as we go through this together, especially if you haven't really studied the Bible before, to be like, this is confusing, help me understand this. And you can go to anyone, really. You can, go, you can come tomorrow night to our How to Study the Bible and ask questions there. And, um, you know, and, and, and with that, our goal is that our, pa- our paper Bibles wouldn't be a beautiful paperweight, but we would allow it to transform our lives and reveal the goodness of God because God is good. The joy of the Lord is our strength. (laughs) Um, And so, you know, if you're new to studying the Bible, the book of Mark is a great place to start because his writing style, he's concise. He's like, here is the information you need to know. This is exactly what happened. And I love that. Whenever he puts a detail, um, he's really intentional about the details. You know, Mark is the shortest gospel. If I were to write one of the Gospels, I would probably be like a worse off version of like Matthew or John. Because Matthew and John are great. I would just be way worse. That's why I wasn't called to write any of the Gospels. Because Matthew, when he writes a Gospel, he, he talks about, he's like, all right, you want to know about Jesus? We've got to start at the genealogy. Where did it all begin? And like nuts down, this is the genealogy. Whereas John, John's like, genealogy? No, no, Matthew, we've got to go back. We've got to go back to the start of time. See, so, so, you know, all the Gospels, there, they're written distinctly, which is cool. Whereas if I were to write one, I'd be like, okay, here's the backstory. Here's a side story. Here's all these mini stories. This is why Ben doesn't like me telling him about my day. Because I'm not telling him about my day. I'm telling him all about my imagination and adventures that I have in my brain. But, um... <laughs> So it's a great, Mark is a great book to study and let's all be thankful that that's what we're studying today. So let's pray. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you, Lord, that it gives life, that it reminds us of your goodness, that it challenges us, Lord, to be more like Jesus. So today, as we dive into your scriptures, challenge us, give us comfort, give us peace and make us more like Jesus. Amen. All right. So the name of my message today is called The Power, and we're studying Mark chapter 4. We're going to dive in at verse 35, so I'll give you a little bit, a quick summary of everything that happened beforehand. So Jesus and his disciples, they're hanging out in a region called Galilee in Israel. A lot of Jesus' ministry, take, I love hearing the ruffling of pages, that's so cool. So, <laughs> so they're hanging out in Galilee, and he's healing people left, right, and center. He's teaching parables to the point where all of these people start to gather. They hear about this amazing healer, this prophet, this guy who's doing amazing things things and these crowds begin to gather. So many people, like all you have to do is like high five Jesus and people are being healed of things that they didn't even realize that they were sick from. And it's, it's incredible. So much so he has to jump in a boat in order to preach to the people. That's how many people there are. So we jump in at verse 35. On that day, when evening had come, Jesus, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. He didn't pack a lunch. He didn't bring, you know, a spare change of clothes. He just hopped on it just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern. The stern is the back of the boat. He was asleep on the cushion. And the disciples, they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Let's pause here for a second. 
So because of where the Sea of Galilee sits, I'm pretty sure it's the lowest, like it sits below sea level and it's the lowest lake that sits below sea level in the world, I'm pretty sure. You can Google it and you can tell me if I'm wrong. So it sits below sea level and it's surrounded by mountains, particularly Mount Hermon, which is like 700 and something feet high. So if you imagine, uh, I can't convert that to meters, but I will convert it to 700 subway footlongs high. So imagine that. That's how high this mountain is. So the constant clash of cool mountain air and warm sea air meant that stormy weather in, this, in the Sea of Galilee is a common thing. It's something that happens all the time. Thunderstorms, sea storms, it happens all the time. The Sea of Galilee is also known to this day as a significant source for commercial fishing. And what was the occupation of some of Jesus' disciples? Fishermen, absolutely. So for these experienced professional fishermen, okay, who would have regularly worked in the Sea of Galilee, for them to become so afraid and terrified of a storm that they're like, we're going to die. That's a bad storm, right? That's a bad storm. And here they find Jesus asleep on what the scriptures say, the cushion. Not a cushion, not one of many, the cushion. Like if I was on this boat, and this is such a, like a millennial, you know, my generation response. I, and I'm, you know, I'm there and I'm freaking out. I'm going to die. And I turn around and Jesus is asleep on the cushion. I'm get my phone out. I'm messaging my girls being like, the audacity of this man. Like, I get it. Like, who does he think he is? Like, some celebrity preacher? Like, just going around healing people. And then now when I really need him, he is asleep on the one and only luxury on this boat? The cushion? Are you kidding me? The audacity. Verse 39. And he awoke. Jesus awoke. And he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, say it with me, peace, peace. Be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And Jesus turns to them. Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled. The disciples are filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? There are two amazing things we can observe from this passage. The first one is Jesus' command. You know, Jesus doesn't have to, you know, you know, I love my Lord of the Rings references. He doesn't have to do what Gandalf did, you know, when he was, I think he was fighting the Balrog, I think, giant fire demon, when he's like, you shall not pass. You know, it wasn't like that. Jesus didn't have to say, in the name of me, you know. He just wakes up from his cushion and he's like, peace. Be still, like he's talking to an unruly, misbehaving child in the classroom. Like, boys at the back, enough. Number two, the storm then obeys like a compliant child. The wind ceased and there was great calm. Notice that Mark doesn't just write, then the storm stopped. He's very intentional about the details. First, he's talking about the wind, and then he's talking about the water. See, if just the wind 
stopped. The, sorry, the wind stopping after Jesus' simple command. That we could have just like boiled that down to sheer coincidence. Oh, it just, it just stopped. Ha, 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 we almost died. We were so afraid. But the waters returning to a great calm, great calm can be translated to dead calm, tranquil. Jesus says simply to a storm, quiet, peace, be still. Let's take another look at the disciples. Verse 38, jumping back. But he, Jesus, was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. I'm still caught up about that. And they woke him and they said to him, Jesus, do you not care that we are perishing? And he said to them, why are you so afraid? I skipped a verse. He awoke, he rebuked the wind and he said, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was great calm. Then he said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And the disciples were filled with great fear. And they said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? See, before Jesus calms a storm, they're afraid. They're afraid for their lives. But then after Jesus calms a storm, they are terrified. Why is that? They're experienced fishermen. They've gone through storms before. That's part of the job. But the boat is filling up with water faster than they can bail it out with the buckets. And they asked Jesus, don't you even care if we drown? And we often read this story and we laugh, we giggle. We're like, why are they afraid? They've got nothing to fear. Don't they realize that they're on the boat with Jesus, with the Son of God? How thick-headed, how silly, how dumb are these disciples? Don't they realize everything's going to be fine? Jesus is asleep. He's chilling. Chill. But anyone who's ever tried to live a life of faith, they felt just like this. I know I have. Maybe you feel like this right now. You're in a boat. Jesus is with you. You guys are co-captains. Right? You both have matching hats. It's really fun. You love to sail around life. But suddenly a storm hits and everything goes wrong. The waves come crashing in. Your boat begins to fall apart and you're freaking out. You try to stop yourself from sinking. So you grab a bucket and you start bailing. You strive and you strive and you strive. The waves, ah! You're pulling ropes. I don't know how to sail a boat, but I'm, you know, trying to work it out. You're being tossed to and fro and you're like, where's the captain? Where's the pastor? <laughs> now yelling at Jesus, Jesus, where are you? Do you care? Why are you asleep? Don't you love me? I'm sinking. See, the disciples, they feel like they're on the brink of death. And the man that they've chosen to follow, the great teacher, the prophet, this healer, he is asleep. On the cushion. If Jesus loved them, why would he allow them to go down like this? If Jesus loved us, why would he allow us to experience the sinking, the waves? If he was so powerful, if he is who he says he is, why would he allow storms to happen in the first place? Jesus says, why are you so afraid? 
have you still no faith? The fact that the disciples are even more terrified of Jesus after the storm ceases teaches us two things. One, we can't control storms. Two, we can't control Jesus. I'm sorry. The storm had immense power. They couldn't sail their way through it. They couldn't bail fast enough. There was no seven steps to navigate a deathly storm. Jesus has infinitely more power. So the disciples, they're terrified in the realization that they have even less control over Jesus. Who then is this, they say, that even the wind and the sea obey him? See, Jesus' power, it is boundless, it is limitless, it is inexhaustible, it is unrestrained, it is infinite, it is immeasurable. But so is his wisdom and love. See, if the disciples had really known and understood that Jesus loved them, if they had really understood that he is both powerful and loving, they would not have been scared in the first place. Ooh! Spicy. Their premise that if Jesus loved them, then bad things won't happen to them was wrong. See, Jesus doesn't operate according to our plans. We can't strong arm him into giving us exactly what we want. I feel like the world would be way more chaotic. And so there's going to be storms that we experience that are beyond our control. But if Jesus is God, then he's got to be great enough to have some reasons to let us go through things we can't understand. If Jesus is who he says he is, if his power, wisdom and love are boundless, limitless, immeasurable, infinite, if all Jesus has to do is shh a storm in order for it to die down, then we need to change our response in the storms. Jesus asked the disciples, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? You know, that, that question, have you no faith? Have you still no faith? Can be translated to, where is your faith? See, the critical factor behind your faith is not its strength, but its object. It's not the quality of your faith that saves you. It's the object of your faith. See, imagine you're falling off a cliff, plummeting. And out of the cliff face, there is a branch that is strong enough to hold you. And as you fall, about the branch, you don't know how strong the branch is. So as you fall, you have just enough time to grab this branch. How much faith do you have to have in the branch in order for it to save you? Must you be totally sure that this branch can save you? Of course not. You only have to have enough uh, faith to grab the branch because it's not the quality of your faith that saves you, but it's the object of your faith. See, five chapters later, after the storm, five chapters later in Mark 9, There's a story of a young boy who's being tormented by an unclean spirit. And the disciples, they struggle to cast this demon out. And so Jesus comes along and he's 
he's a bit annoyed because he's like, guys, like, we just, did you, do you remember that storm we survived and the one that I shushed? Like, what's going on? He's annoyed at their lack of faith. And so the, the desperate father of the boy, he comes running to Jesus. We jump in verse 22. It says, but if you can do anything, he, he's begging Jesus. But if you can do anything, Jesus, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. And immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I, I believe, help my unbelief. See, this desperate father shows us how we are able to respond to Jesus in a storm. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. And we see that happen with, for, for that little boy. Jesus commands the spirit out of the boy, and so he does. And he's healed. Faith is not a virtue. It's a gift. So where do we find faith? At the object of our faith at the source of our, of our faith. The scriptures say that Jesus is the founder and finisher, the perfecter of our faith. So the object of our faith is? Jesus. Excellent. The object of our faith is? Jesus. Thank you. <laughs> as simply as Jesus asks the storms to cease, we can ask him for faith. In the midst of the storms, when we are neck deep, when the boat is falling apart, we can ask, Jesus, help my unbelief. So what do we do in a storm? What do we do when life is beyond our control? The disciples, they're overwhelmed by the waves. They haven't seen anything like it before. That's fair. But in that moment, they turn to Jesus and they're like, don't you care if we die? Why would you let this happen to us, Jesus? Do you even love us? And Jesus shushes the storm and he asks them, where's your faith? Jesus is saying, I am with you. I do love you. If only you knew how much I truly love you. I'm here. There is no reason to be afraid. So Jesus being asleep, it doesn't mean he doesn't care about the storm, about the storm you're in. Jesus being asleep means you shouldn't be worried. Do you remember the story of Jonah and the big fish in the Old Testament? So the interesting thing about Mark's account of Jesus is how he parallels it with the story of Jonah. So here's how. So both Jesus and Jonah, they're on a boat. They're both asleep. They both experience deathly, ter terrifying storms. They're both woken up by sailors who are screaming, we're going to die! And in both stories, we witness divine miracles as storms are calmed, two identical stories with one major difference. In Jonah 1.12, Jonah tells the sailors, there's only one thing you can do to save your life. If I die, you will live. So the sailors, they throw Jonah overboard. They're like, okay, I want to live. They throw him overboard into the storm. Into the storm, into the sea. Could you imagine? <laughs> Spoiler alert, Jonah doesn't die. If you haven't read the story before, maybe make a note. Mm, read up on Jonah. In the story we read in Mark, though, they don't throw Jesus overboard. In Matthew 12, 41, Jesus says, Someone greater than Jonah is here. And he's referring to himself. 
And what Jesus means is, someday I'm going to calm all storms. I'm going to still all waves. I'm going to destroy destruction, break brokenness. I'm going to kill death. How? He can do it because he was on the cross. He was thrown, like Jonah, into the ultimate storm. Jesus was thrown overboard into the only storm that can actually sink us, to die for our sins, to bring peace that can only be found in relationship with our Father in heaven. Jesus died so we could live, so we can live. If you believe that Jesus died on the cross for you, the ultimate storm, What makes you think He would abandon you in the much smaller storms we're experiencing right now? If you let that sink into the center of your being, you will know that He loves you. You will know that He cares. And then you'll have the power to handle anything in life with the peace Jesus brings. If you let the the knowledge of Jesus' boundless, limitless, inexhaustible power, wisdom, and love sink into the core of who you are, if you allow Him to be the object of your faith, when the storms come, you won't need that bucket anymore. All you need is a cushion. You can go to the stern and have a nap with Jesus. The peace that only He brings. Come on, church, let's pray. (sighs) Jesus, we thank You for how much You love us. We thank You that You died on the cross for us, willingly died for us to make a way for us to live, to give us hope, to give us peace, to give us a second chance time and time again. So remind us, Lord, of your great love this morning. Remind us, Lord, of your sovereignty. Remind us that you're there with us, in the boat with us, in the storms. You will never leave us nor forsake us. We thank you, Lord, and we love you. Amen. The team are going to sing a song that I asked them to sing. I asked them uh, to sing sing a song, keep singing, sing a song. But we haven't sung this one in a while. It's called Reckless Love. And what I love about this song is the chorus. It's like, oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. And what it means by reckless is just Jesus pours it out. It's unconditional. So come on, why don't you stand as we sing? And I just pray that you just experience a new Jesus' love for you today.